This is Green Seas, a podcast by Tradewinds about the environment and the business of the ocean. I'm Eric Priante Martin. Three years ago, shipping was on the verge of a major change. The International Maritime Organization, or IMO, was gearing up to place a strict cap on the content of sulfur oxides in shipping fuel, ratcheting it down to just 0.5%. It would start on the first day of January 2020, and so the regulation was dubbed IMO 2020. But now, shipping is facing another air pollution challenge, reducing its greenhouse gas emissions. Yet the fuel that has become the primary alternative to high sulfur heavy fuel oil has more carbon per ton in it. And that raises the question of today's episode. Did IMO 2020, while cutting sulfur emissions, lead to an increase in carbon dioxide? First, let's take a step back. In the run-up to IMO 2020, the new regulation threatened to shake up marine fuel markets. Ship owners could no longer just run their ships on heavy fuel oil. Cheap but still densely packed with energy, HFO had been the industry's favorite fuel for decades, and refiners loved selling it because it was basically a byproduct of producing cleaner distillate fuels like gasoline. Shipping was worried. To comply with IMO 2020, ship owners had a few options. One they could purchase a compliant fuel. The option already in the market was a distillate known as marine gas oil, but refiners also worked on new grades of heavy fuel oil known as very low sulfur fuel oil. A second option, they could install exhaust gas scrubbers, which allow ships to continue burning high sulfur fuel oil. There were also ship owners that either built or converted ships to run on liquefied natural gas, but that's a discussion for another day. Back in 2019, I caught up with Italian shipowner Paolo D'Amico on the sidelines of a Capital Link conference. At the time, he was chairman of tanker group Intertanko, and the group was eager to receive guidelines from the IMO about how to operate in the upcoming new environment. Because uh, we are, number one, not sure that we are going to find compliant fuel everywhere. Number two, we are, we are extremely worried of, of, of the of the composition of the fuel themselves, because IMO talks about only sulfur content, but there is all a spec which has been forgotten, and ISO will not produce this spec before 2022. So we are extremely worried how fuels will be compatible one, one with the other one, in way of not having engine breakdowns or major inc- incidents on out of that. But D'Amico ended up being partially prophetic when he told me this. It will work because we will make it working. And at the end of the day, everybody will be jumping on, on marine gas oil in way to avoid any sort of problem. Overall, when January 2020 rolled around, it did work, with some hiccups. But while marine gas oil usage did increase, the new very low sulfur fuel oil became dominant. The buildup to the sulfur cap kind of reminded me of that 1999 Simpsons episode about the Y2K bug that didn't end up leading to pandemonium at the start of the year 2000. That's Homer Simpson's computer. Oh God, it's spreading! Oh no, it's happening. This is Brian Comer, Marine Program Lead at the nonprofit research group International Council on Clean Transportation, or ICCT. 
on the rollout, we heard from the industry, oh my gosh, there's this overnight regulation. Uh, we're going to go to sleep one day, we're going to wake up the next day, and it's going to be a whole new world, and we just don't know what the consequences are going to be. We might have engine failures, we might have ships stranded at sea, it's going to be very dangerous. There's seafarers in some instances, we don't know if the fuel is going to be available, the fuel quality could be all over the place. Uh, and what ended up happening was probably the smoothest rollout of any environmental regulation um, for the shipping sector that we've ever had. IMO 2020 was never about carbon or climate change. It was about reducing emissions of sulfur oxides, also known as SOx, because of their impact on human health. But here we are in 2022, and the IMO is focused on greenhouse gas emissions. Carbon dioxide emissions dropped in 2020 as the COVID-19 pandemic slammed the global economy. Then, as shipping demand rose and fueled congestion, shipping's emissions rose in 2021. Not off to a good start. Last week on this program, we looked at scrubbers, whose use continues to increase as a way to keep using high sulfur heavy fuel oil, which is cheaper than its alternatives. While working on that episode, Donald Gregory, the head of the scrubber industry group, Exhaust Gas Cleaning Association, told me in an email that the use of low sulfur fuel oil to meet the IMO 2020 rules has resulted in higher CO2 emissions. He said, quote, this is fact and not sensationalist claims made by the environmental NGOs, unquote. And he pointed to a study by consultancy CE Delft that he said showed 5% lower carbon dioxide footprint from the use of high sulfur fuel oil with scrubbers compared to low sulfur fuel. An August 2020 CE Delft report that I saw found no matter what, removing sulfur from fuel, either in a refinery or by using scrubbers, does lead to higher carbon dioxide emissions. Whether a scrubber results in lower added CO2 depends on fuel quality. The study found that when very low sulfur fuel oil production is combined with fuel quality improvements, it does lead to higher carbon dioxide than scrubbers. Shipping industry stakeholders often point to the lower carbon content of high sulfur heavy fuel compared to the very low sulfur alternative, or even marine gas oil. But the ICCT's Comer said very low sulfur fuel actually has resulted in a 1% reduction in emissions of carbon dioxide in shipping. That's because of energy content, the amount of energy in each gram of a fuel. Even though the amount of carbon per gram of fuel went up slightly, the energy content of the fuel went up as well. And so you don't need to burn as much of it to get the same amount of propulsion power, for instance. Many environmental groups were hoping that IMO 2020 would lead to an end to heavy fuel oil and a switch to distillates like marine gas oil. Comer said that could have improved emissions on board ships because of marine gas oil's higher energy content. But if you look at the life cycle of the fuels, it's essentially a wash because distillates take more energy to produce. And here's what he said about scrubbers. The one thing that we did find is that when you put a scrubber on a ship, you're consuming about 2% more fuel than you would have otherwise before you had the scrubber. So that's actually making carbon emissions worse. Is that because the energy that you need to operate the scrubber or some, some yes. other reason? Mm -hmm. So you need uh, pumps to pump the water into the uh, into the exhaust and then also to discharge it. Um, and so that takes some additional energy and the only place to get that energy on board the ship is the fuel. So he said, technically, it's incorrect to say that carbon emissions increased as a result of IMO 2020. However, that doesn't mean that there was no climate impact from the regulation. Sulfur emissions have what is effectively a cooling effect 
and removing them from the emissions removes that from the atmosphere. With the focus on climate issues today, Comer says that what is often overlooked is what IMO 2020 achieved. He said studies have showed that the rule has resulted in a decrease in sulfur oxides in the atmosphere, and that has a human health benefit. I think there's a misconception about the purpose of IMO 2020. Mm. I think people were saying, well, IMO 2020 just made things worse, so why bother regulating the shipping industry? But that's not the case. It made things better for a lot of people. It reduced childhood asthma, it reduced premature mortality from lung disease and heart disease, it improved air quality at port communities. Um, and those are uh, often the groups that are disproportionately negatively impacted by, name it, you name it, anything. And so I think it had a real material benefit to society. But the fact that 2020 started without major disruption in the industry is encouraging for those who are now focused on advocating for greenhouse gas regulations. It gave a lot of us who work really hard to get um, environmental policies in place for the international shipping sector a lot of um, confidence that we can actually uh, we can actually do it. We can impose change on the industry and that it can go smoothly as long as there's some lead time and everybody's prepared. And he said, even though the IMO doesn't regulate the fuel industry, which is a debate currently underway at the UN body, if new rules create demand for new fuels, the sulfur cap shows that the supply will be there. Here's more news on the environment and the business of the ocean. The Green Seas newsletter explored an effort by Brazilian mining giant Vale to build very large ore carriers that will be powered by both wind and methanol, plus an array of energy efficiency devices. A company executive told me that if Vale can procure renewable methanol, the ships can result in a 90% slash in greenhouse gas emissions. That comes as methanol and wind propulsion are both gaining steam as ways to cut shipping's carbon footprint. Here's Greg Dolan, chief executive of the industry group Methanol Institute. So, you know, we're seeing a much larger segment of shipping, uh, segments of shipping that are that are really looking at methanol today. And here's Gavin Allwright of the International Windship Association. For what, what has actually been announced publicly, um, we're looking at another 24 ships to be installed next year. Pretty much taken 12 years to get to 25. Um, and then we're gonna be doubling that in the next 12 months. Visit tinyurl greenseas 4 where you can sign up for the Green Seas newsletter and subscribe to this podcast. Music for this episode is by Cube Sounds on Pixabay. <laughs>